back to the Nothing But Nets podcast. This is our 10th episode. I'm your host, Dave Early. This is a Clutch Points podcast. Greg Dennis, great to have you back. Brooklyn, let's go. <laughs> well, is that, uh, is that faux hype? Because this is a six-game losing streak officially now. It's completely faux hype. Um, obviously, we can't. We got to get right into what happened last night because uh, that was that was uh, even by regular season in February standards, that was a disaster. By regular season in February on the West Coast, you know, it's after 10 p.m. every game on the East Coast, what they're used to, and it's the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, obviously a letdown after a big game against the Phoenix Suns, which maybe you get up for in terms of energy and emotions and James Harden, it was revealed has been dealing with a strained right non-shooting hand strain. That's been bugging him for a couple weeks. He thinks maybe he, he aggravated it lifting weights and landing and picking up some contact on some plays. He said he couldn't move it at all before the Denver game. And that's why he didn't play. And finally he said, I could move it, so I'm playing about the Kings game. Uh, you get the sense that maybe it's one of those things where he wanted us to know because he's definitely not right, but he didn't want to complain about it. So he left it sort of short and not so sweet. Um, all that being said, it was still a terrible game. Uh, he only had four points, and it's one of his lowest point totals in a lot of years. I mean, if he played 30 minutes in a game, I think you'd have to go back to – I don't remember 2014 or something to find a game where he was as ineffective in terms of points. Um, so it was a rough night. I mean, Kyrie Irving wasn't great. He had, he was five of 15 with 14 points, but when you see James Harden, who's made how many seven all NBA teams, nine all NBA teams, nine all-stars, it's just jarring to, uh, to ever see him go out and put up a game like that. Because if he, if he went out and put up 40, I'd be thinking, well, He's still been inconsistent this year, and that was just the Kings. And then he goes out and does two for 11, a game low, minus 21. Um, it's just pretty weird to see. What were your thoughts about his, his sort of encore performance? Are you, are you starting to get worried, or are you just thinking this is who he is, there's ups and downs, or both? No, I mean, everything you said about inconsistencies and concerns, I think, are uh, well-established. But last night, I mean, I don't know. Definitely his worst game with the Nets. I would, You'd probably be hard-pressed to find a worse game in his career, frankly. Um, so I don't know. I mean, James Harden scoring four points in 37 minutes is just incomprehensible. And, you know, this is a guy who has a reputation for putting up monster games in these meaningless games during the regular season. You know, he, he doesn't really take games off as far as numbers go. Um, so, you know, maybe some of it is health. Maybe some of it is, um, you know, having lost a step. But when you see a line like that, I think it probably speaks to something more. Um, especially with Durant out, he knows he has to lead the team on those nights and for him to basically just come out and look uninterested and to, you know, just basically look like he doesn't want, even want to be out there. 
I don't think he shot any foul shots. I could be wrong, but that that kind of shows you that um, you know he's not he's not being aggressive in any way. So you're not, you're not wrong. Zero free throw attempts. Um, Zero free throw attempts in 37 minutes for James Harden. I mean that's that that tells you a lot. If when I was watching the game, I thought, okay, he's he's trying to put in the absolute minimal effort to then go and win this game. Uh, and maybe that was his plan. And then he started getting to that final leg and he realized the effort he was giving was the most he had in his tank at that point. So, you know, was he completely gassed was my first thought. Um, but then you, but then you wonder like, was he disengaged? And you start to think about all these reports that have come out. I know since we had last potted, we've had a chance to sort of marinate in all these bombshell stories, but I would say my, my takeaway is basically Kendrick Perkins never thought you'd say this is right in that James Harden's camp is saying one thing to reporters, maybe behind closed doors to Philadelphia, that he has a wandering eye, increased interest in free agency. He does have an issue with some of Steve Nash's end of game rotations. You know, um, Jake Fisher get, get a good podcast and he basically said, yeah, I understand that they've had a million ins and outs of the lineups. Um, but still, Steve Nash has a, a penchant for going with the hot hand at the end of games. And James is a guy who likes to have four guys and go to war with. Um, they also talked about frustrations with Kyrie Irving's part time status and all that stuff we got into. But I'm starting to think that that stuff is credible. It's not like we can just dismiss that it's out there because these are good reporters breaking good stories. But then on the other hand, you have what James Harden is saying to the nets and that is from Woj. So it starts to feel like whether or not this is strategic, whether or not this is, he doesn't have control over his camp. I don't know, but I do think there's mixed messages coming out from Harden and Harden's camp. And when he has a game like this and he makes certain post game comments that we'll get into uh, it's hard not to see it through that lens. Yeah, you know, I want to come back to something you just touched on. You mentioned Steve Nash. And, you know, he he has obviously at this, he's been dealt a great hand as far as, you know, getting the coach Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. But he's also had a tough go of it because he hasn't had his guys. and you know, the Kyrie Irving vaccine thing. But for the most part, he, he has been beyond criticism. And I do think he's done a pretty good job. But you do wonder, I think, on a night like last night where the teams lost six in a row and Harden just looks uninterested, you know, what is the dynamic there? Is Is Nash able to kind of... You know, what is his role? Because obviously he was he was kind of hand-selected by the stars on this team. But a night like last night, you know, you almost need a coach who's going to kind of, you know, shake things up, maybe, maybe challenge one of his guys. And, you know, that's not really – that doesn't seem to be at least on, on the broadcast Nash's kind of style of coaching. Um, I wonder if he – you know, feels a certain because um, he seems to be a player's coach. He's not far removed from playing. He played his whole career for Dan Tony, who who is also, 
you know, never really known to be, you know, a disciplinarian. And I'm sure he's watching Harden out there, basically take the night off on a night where the team really needs them. And he's got to be frustrated. I mean, he's just got to be. What do you think the, what do you think the dynamic is there between Nash, his leadership style and the stars on this team? Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot to talk about. Um, I don't know that we have time on this pod, but I do think I got the sense for the first time of the year over the last week that Nash was feeling some heat. You know, he's, he's talked a lot about all the inconsistencies that they've had. Um, but this was the first time, and maybe I was just projecting because of what's in the news, where I felt like there was a defensiveness to it, where he was reminding us, you know, he said, like, the reason I don't believe these reports is because it doesn't sound like James to me. We haven't had the chance to have consistency in these end of game lineups. And I thought maybe he was defending himself to whoever made that claim that the Harden was frustrated. He's also talked a lot now about how, and this is a fair point he's making. You made it too. Over the last 18 months, as good as their hand is, it hasn't come to fruition in the way that they've liked. He hasn't had his big three. So it's tough to judge him in that regard. Last year, you could have made an outside case for him as a coach of the year because of how the team played when it was missing one of its big three. Um, And then again, last year, he had James Harden, who was playing like an MVP in those games. He went into Phoenix without Kyrie or KD and played great and got a win against the team that went to the finals. This year, uh, it doesn't seem like Harden has it in him other than uh, a couple exceptions, like maybe the Christmas Day game. So the dynamic, you know, you could see on those sidelines, Steve Nash working extra hard to urge his guys to inject a little life. You know, he got up after a timeout, he walked onto the court. I think he got up in each player's face and tried to clap, you know, showing some positivity. Hey, let's not get down just because they went on a run. Um, So you could see him sort of physically urging his guys. Uh, It made me feel that some of this might be out of his hands, to be honest. I mean, maybe you're, maybe some people would say I'm giving him a pass, but I was thinking, man, he's, he's trying to do all he can to get them to play hard, but what can he do? He's got some guys, many of them are well over um, the 30, 30 year mark at this point. They're playing their second leg of a back-to-back on the West coast. It's tough. It's tough to get them to, to step it up because they know there isn't a massive urgency to do that. Yeah, I mean, all those things are true. And if they were playing a decent team, I think it would be easier to give them a pass. But, you know, you look at this road trip they've been on. They had the Golden State game. They had the Phoenix game. They've got Utah coming up after this, I think. Yep. And, like, this is, this is, this is the one that, like, you just have to win. I mean, the Kings stink. Fox is out. You know, they're trying to basically trade half their team. And, you know, you're going in there, you've still got Harden, you've still got Kyrie. And to, to basically just, you know, basically just not, not even look interested, I, I do think it's um, a red flag. Now, maybe Harden's hurt. I mean, he had the hamstring last week. He's got the hand. Maybe he, maybe he wouldn't even be playing if, if Durant and Joe Harris were healthy. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the one uh, variable that we have to consider, but it's, it just, it's just not a good look for, for anyone right now. They, they did 
give him the sort of the nod that he's full go after that left hamstring tightness. It's not the same leg that he spent rehabbing. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the post game? Because there is some insight into what you brought up in terms of an injury. Um, first, Steve Nash was asked about his hand and he said he did not think that's what the issue was for James last night. He basically said he thought it was fatigue and Harden hadn't mentioned to him the hand at all. Harden was asked about this. And he sort of gave a, a nah about the hand. Nah, it's not the hand. And then when a reporter pinpointed him and said, is it the fatigue? Are you dealing with fatigue? He said, I mean, who knows? Which indicated to me, I'm frustrated more than anything. Like, I'm not here to talk about whether or not I was tired. Um, for those interested, he is 32 years old and he's fourth in the league in minutes, 37 minutes per game. So <clears throat> we have talked so much on this podcast about Kevin Durant's minute totals. We haven't talked as much about Harden's, but maybe he's in need of the same type of load management program that we would have recommended for our, his teammate. Uh, you saw how good he looked on Christmas after what they call a COVID break. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fatigue to me is like, you know, I don't know. If, I think, if, if you tell me Harden's fatigue, I'm thinking like, Okay, 19 points, eight assists, six rebounds, couple lazy turnovers. Um, that that would that would to me, I'd be like, okay, maybe he's maybe he's fatigued, like you said. But you know, to go out and be a minus 24 points, no free throws, that's like that that speaks to something beyond fatigue. Um, but yeah, and also Harden Harden's a guy who pretty much has been an Ironman his whole career. So it's strange all of a sudden to think of him as a guy who, you know, is, is limited in the energy he can exert in the minutes he can play and being, you know, fairly fragile because I mean, he, he was like a one man offense for, for a decade in Houston, never took nights off, played 82 games a year, rarely was hurt. So it's, it's a strange, um, it's, it's really, it's really a stark difference from that going back even a year and a half ago. Yeah. A buddy of mine on the Sixers beat Austin Krell tweeted out. There are three scenarios with Harden. One, he's playing through an injury, which should concern the Nets considering his reported lack of care for his body. Two, he's checked out. Three, he's just declining, which maybe then the Nets are justified for not giving him the money he wants. What do you have a reaction to uh, to you know someone on the Sixers beat who might be thinking, hey, we can trade for James Harden here? Um, I think I think it's it could be all three. I I think that the you know the safest amongst those is that he's declined to to what extent we can argue, but I mean. You know, he, he obviously is not – I don't think anyone would say that he's the same guy who won the MVP in 2018 and, you know, averaged 37 points a game. Bill so, Simmons just said he's like 20 pounds overweight since that – since being that guy. Yeah, I mean, you can you can look back a couple of years ago at, at a film of James Harden. He was he, – he looked a lot different. Mo Mohawk being a sleeker. <laughs> he was yeah he 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 looked totally different he looked, now he looks like 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 a little bit more like an offensive lineman kind of 
Uh, all right, so let's 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 get into a little bit of his reaction um, because you know this is a Rorschach test. This is a Mona Lisa. We could all see what we want. We could see absolutely nothing. We could see if this team wins the championship, we'd be like, "Do you remember those days we thought Harden stunk and was going to leave?" Um, but on the other hand, it's is this so bad that you even think about trading him now before the deadline so he doesn't leave you for nothing? because San Antonio is going to have cap space and that type of thing. So there's a lot of swings. They are a game and a half up in the sixth seed. And you know all those nightmare scenarios if they were to drop to that seventh seed. Imagine them playing a home game against, I don't know, the Knicks or the Hornets without Kyrie Irving and losing in a play-in tournament. How that would just throw the basketball world into. So with all of that in mind, let's, uh, let's visit a few of his post-game comments. Harden at that point was clearly frustrated and was asked, you know, a six game losing streak. What's been the issue lately? And he said, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, what do you do to fix it? Keep chipping away one day at a time. That's all you can do. Come together closer, even tighter. It's definitely frustrating. It's definitely difficult, but we got to find a way to get out of it as a group. He was asked, will they have a players only meeting? Uh, he said, no, I think we've done too much talking. I think we've done too much talking. We just got to go out there and do it consistently. Um, there are times we've been really, we've been great. There's times we've been really bad. And then here was the most interesting comment of all to me. And I can't decide if I think this was just a passing remark or a can of worms, but he said, he was asked, why is that consistent? And he's talking about not there. Um, and he said, we just got a lot of different things internally, lineups, we haven't had no continuity yet. So it's just one of those things where you just got to keep going. Nothing else to do. Just keep going. Keep pushing forward. I believe it's hard to say because he he mumbles the first part, but I believe he said you would know as well as I do, which would not back up the hypothesis that when he says we've just got a lot of different things internally, he means some sort of secret conflict. Um, so how do you interpret that? Is that like are things internally is that stuff reporters know about like Kyrie Irving's part-time status and then the frustrations that come with that a guy in and out of the lineup. Is it something else he's not he talked about yet? Um, but he still says our guess is as good as anyone's. So however you read it, you could take the headline and we did that at clutch points and basically say hard and hints at internal issues. Um, and that raises all kinds of, you know, scary red flags for a Nets fan who wants this big three long-term. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know, coming off a loss like that, I think like, you know, guys, guys are probably going to say things that like, if they pull that game out last night, he probably doesn't say that, but you know, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, we, we've seen the reports. There's been a lot, you know, continuity, something they haven't had. Um, so it, make, it makes sense, you know, that he's hinting at it. I, I think like you said, like there's, there's almost certainly validity to stuff we've been hearing over the last month, but you know, you mentioned, should they consider, should they consider all their options before the trade deadline? I still would say definitely not because, uh, you know, they just, they just haven't really seen their team yet. So until you see Durant, Kyrie, Harden, Joe Harris, you know, those are, those are probably their, 
their four main guys. I mean, Joe Harris is not in the same level as the other three, but until those four guys play together, I wouldn't be considering doing anything um, rash at the deadline because, you know, for all we for all we know, you know, we're going to get to see that team at some point, and they're going to look like the team we expect them to look like. And even if Harden is not the guy we've grown accustomed to seeing, it won't matter. Right. Um, to to that point, like you said, you know, maybe if the game, the outcome was different, we wouldn't have heard about any potential internal issues. Kyrie Irving sang a completely different tune. He didn't sound like someone who was concerned in the slightest. Uh, I speculated in a piece, you know, maybe he's still riding some of that high with being back out there because he, he has, you've talked about on this podcast, he had to accept maybe not playing for the entire year. And then who knows what happens with his long-term contract. Um, I do think there's a part of him that's thrilled to be back, but he basically said, I mean, I wouldn't call it issues. He pushed back on that use of the word issues when asked about it. Uh, It's just, we don't want to make it bigger than just figuring out how to win a basketball game. This is a growth period. That's what we're in. And that's the way I see it. Um, Specifically, he was asked, what about the talking too much comment? Do you agree with James assessment? You guys talk too much. He said, I mean, I respect James. Now he hadn't heard the exact context um, about a players only meeting. I don't think, but he basically said, I mean, I respect James opinion. And I think, of course, when you're going through a losing streak, not really maybe wanting to hear the same thing over and over again. So I definitely feel for him. Um, But for us, it's just getting closer as a group. The get better jargon that we consistently use, whether it be here talking with you guys or in the locker room, yeah, it can get mundane. So Kari was very dismissive that there's a big internal problem. He did joke, like, if we were to have a players meeting, I wouldn't tell you guys because it becomes a bigger deal, as you guess what we said. didn't, didn't get the impression Kyrie was anything but Zen and okay with everything in the long, in the long run. Didn't feel that way about Harden, but it's easy to be a prisoner in the moment with these things. Yeah. Yeah. Like like we said, hard, always hard to interpret Kyrie's uh, comments, but he he definitely did seem a, a bit more upbeat and optimistic about the, um, high level outlook of the team. Yeah. When he, when he says things like that, I think back to his Cleveland days, some of maybe there's some of their stretches where they were losing a lot of games or someone was taking a time off for personal moments. And then they go and win the title. And it's gotta be difficult for him to look at one of these in season things and say, Oh, this really matters. This is a huge deal because He's lived through it, and he's come out with the best possible outcome at the end of one of those uh, tunnels. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those, those uh, Cleveland teams bring – you're right. When they were subtweeting Kevin Love and, <laughs> you know, LeBron was demanding trades and, you know, the, the whole thing, and, and they still made it to three finals in a row. So I remember one of the debates um, was is, – is, LeBron good at defense at all. Look how bad. And he would go viral with like a poor defensive play in January. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, chances are this will be the uh, rock bottom of the next season. I remember they, they lost, I think they lost the game back in like December. Might've been to the Rockets. I thought that was going to be the rock bottom, but um, you know, six game losing streak. Losing to the Kings, like 
it's got to be all up from here. I, I, I can't imagine in, unless like this Harden thing really spirals out of control. Like I, I think that the, the team's probably thinking, all right, there's no, there's no way that we have a loss worse than last night. It's got, we've got to hit an upswing here soon. Now you said something really interesting. You basically said you want to see how they look when they're all right. And you included Joe Harris in that. And Harris is one who I've been wrestling with. If you believe he's, you know, three weeks or even like nine weeks away from being a hundred percent, then I think I could be sold that. Yeah. But if you do not know, if you think there's even a, a decent chance that he could not be quite healthy for the playoffs, do you increase your aggressiveness on shopping him? I know this is an exercise we've done, but it is the final week. Would you start to get tempted to, uh, to move that contract? I mean, Jeremy Grant, Miles Turner, Robert Covington, Kenrick Williams. There are some names who people expect to be moved at the deadline or have their eye on. If they were to put a contract like $17 million like Joe Harris, and at this point he's been a zero in their lineup since mid-November um, on the table, they could open up a lot of options that you and I might say, okay, now I feel better about their chance to win it this season, even with a part-time player. And then I really like their chances to keep the big three long-term. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on the details of, of the proposed deal, right? Like no one, no one, no one's going to say don't trade Joe Harris under any circumstances, but you know what? I think as we kind of look through the league, it became clear that like, it, it really needs to be a specific fit for a team to get Joe Harris, even though he has a skill that's really in demand. He's, you know, he's, I think around 30, he's got a pretty big contract. He had a really bad playoffs last year. So, you know, the team that's acquiring him would need to give up something significant and they need to be in a certain, um, you know, as far as their contention, they need to be in the right, the right time period. So I, I don't know if there's a deal out there that makes sense. I also don't think it's hurt Joe Harris's trade value that the team has underperformed without him. So, you know, that, that probably, like if the Nets were uh, destroying the league right now without Joe Harris, then maybe you look at it and you say, all right, this guy's completely dispensable. But as it turns out, um, they have missed him. So I'd be surprised if he gets moved. Yeah, I saw a tweet yesterday. I, I apologize to whoever did it because I forget. Um, someone basically wrote, they need to play Kyrie Irving in these lineups with non-shooters because Harden in these lineups with the non-shooters isn't as good. Uh, he needs spacing more than Kyrie does. Kyrie game is spacing proof. I thought that was interesting, and it did make me think of Joe. League-wide, Joe's skill set is not irreplaceable. A lot of teams have shooters, but on the Nets roster – they don't have any type of simulacrum to put in instead of him. If, if you don't put in Joe Harris, you're putting in someone like DeAndre Bembry or maybe James Johnson, and then you're getting a completely different type of look. I mean, you could go with Cam Thomas, but Steve Nash hasn't done that consistently where he's getting the, uh, the spacing out there, and that's, that's had an impact for sure. Uh, just want to backtrack a minute. What was that word you used to describe uh... – a replacement sim simba simulacrum simulacrum yeah. yeah like a simulate a simulation of the guy's skill a, a prototype maybe of like what he does right. you know 
Um, yeah, I, I know. I just, you know, our audience is <laughs> possible, not everyone. So thanks for elaborating. Way, way to insult the audience just to save face. You didn't know. <laughs> um, um, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that they're going to look. I mean, this losing streak, obviously, if anything, it, it will embolden uh, Sean Marks to at least consider being more aggressive. And um, who knows? I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be surprised if any of the big three moved. But other than that, nothing would shock me. And when yeah. I say the big three, I basically mean Kyrie or Harden, obviously. Yeah. Um, there was another interesting thing a couple games ago that I didn't want to leave out before we wrap up. But both James Harden and Kyrie Irving were asked if they think about how often they have not been able to get out there as a big three. And Harden's answer was a lot different than Kyrie's. If the vibe was similar to the, to the post game after the Kings game and that Harden was a little bit frustrated and Kyrie really didn't seem frustrated at all. Um, but Harden was asked about it and he said, I, I don't think about it because it hasn't happened. So I don't think about it every game. I just think about ways to get better. And then we moved on. Kyrie gave Nets fans more reason for optimism along the lines of Adrian Wojnarowski's bomb that, the Nets behind closed doors talk about playing together long-term and they believe they are unstoppable when they're all out there. Kyrie asked, was asked about it. And he said, man, honestly, I hate that. I have to even answer that question. We think about it daily. It's not something that is short-sighted for us. We think about the long-term and how well we gel together as a trio. So if you were a fan and you're looking at this rough six game losing streak and listening to James Harden, you might think, uh Oh, but if you're listening to Kyrie Irving, you're really not at all. Uh, if you only got to hear one, it's when you hear both back to back that it's interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you know, I think I think that you've highlighted a clear dichotomy between these the two voices on the team, where one is one is telling you everything is great, kumbaya, long term, <laughs> and then the other guy every other day we're hearing. He's uh, flirting with the Sixers. He's frustrated. <laughs> so I don't know. Safest bet, I think, is that truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Well, Harden said, I've never experienced unrestricted free agency, and I want to do that. So I think if right now, if your position was the Nets are not going to win the championship, he's going to think long and hard about what's being said on the other end of that table when someone's trying to woo him, whether that be Daryl Morey or whoever comes up with the way to land him, if that were to happen. Um, people often say, you know, historically in terms of pressing with a sign and trade, if that's how this played out, that the player has a lot of say. Harden can name one team. Um, but I, I get the sense we might be headed for an almost unprecedented type of summer where there's not an LA, LA, New York, New York teams with cap space, where maybe you're seeing a little bit more of a bidding war in terms of, you know, I could give you Eric Gordon and this guy, you know, not specifically Gordon, but a role player who's helpful. I could give you Seth Curry or I could give you Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey and this other team. Maybe they put a guy like Tyler Harrow on the table. So it's it's not impossible that we see a summer. I think that's not like other summers when there's teams with cap space and signing trades are just very minor things where the team losing a player doesn't get much. Yeah, that's true. The last it seems like the last few years, um, 
the Clippers, Lakers, Nets, and Knicks have all been rumor destinations for the top guys. And and this year, um, we're not really hearing that. So that that is interesting. And just to go back, a team with a lot of synergy with the Nets, rumored. Uh, you know, what what do you think happens here with Ben Simmons as we uh, bear down on the February 11th deadline? I think it's very, very close. I know that a lot of the top reporters don't think a trade happens. I, from as a, you know, sort of game theory perspective, I imagine that's how Daryl Murray wants it. And he would prefer to make a trade at this point, maybe one that can help Joel Embiid to a degree while keeping his chances for luring a Harden or a Bradley Beal alive come July. Um, I do think he would like to do something like that. If he saw value in keeping Ben beyond the deadline because it's just a neat and tidy contract to match with someone like Harden or Beal or Lillard, um, you know, I, I could I could hear the cap space argument, the financial or the uh, there could be a bidding war among, you know, maybe Harden would name three teams. So I guess I'm close to 50 50 on that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a trade or no, or no trade. Leaning no trade. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. And, um, you know, it seems like it seems like Maxi is improving by the week. So that I don't know how that impacts what, what happens here. Like, you know, Damian Lillard was one of the guys that was a target. And I'm sure they'd still, you know, do anything they could to get Damian Lillard. But like at some point they, they might realize you know, Maxi, he's not Damian Lillard, but he, he might be an all-star. So Yeah, Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports went on a podcast last week and said Sean Marks, GM of the Nets, has a standing offer from Daryl Morey of Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey for Harden. And that, you know, that's not happening because the Nets don't want to do that at this point. But if that's true, you'd have to think offers like that will be in play or you know, maybe Maxi wouldn't be on the table by then. Maybe he would. I don't know. Maybe the report isn't yeah. 100% true, but there's some truth to it. It's not, it doesn't feel far-fetched to me to imagine Maury has made offers similar to that based around Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting. I think, um, I think, I don't know if it's still the case, but at some point, over the last week, if the if the season would have ended, we'd have Nets Bucks in the first round. So uh, dangerous territory for both of those teams. They haven't achieved up to their expectations so far, but it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, every on a nightly basis, um, keeping an eye on the standings, I think to myself, "Oh wow, this team just moved up." Well, that stinks for them if they're going to have to host Brooklyn now. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right. It's a good place to wrap. Greg Dennis, thanks so much. Uh, If there's ever a week we can't get you on, we're going to have to try to find a simulcrum of you. (laughs) Well, good luck. (laughs) All right. Talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for this.